Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play this is the beginning of the podcast i'm shereen <laughs> yeah i'm james and this is it could happen here today we are going to be talking about the recent events that have happened in palestine and the recent acts of terror that the idf has committed against palestinians mm-hmm. so yeah Thanks for joining me, James. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, it's going to be another another fun one from us. <laughs> I know. I think that's like our thing. It's just... Yeah, uplifting podcast. If they don't leave depressed, we're not doing our job right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we yeah. want you... If you're driving, maybe pull over because we're going to try and make you cry. <laughs> yeah. But no, really. I mean, like in all seriousness, there has been some, some shocking footage that has come out of Palestine this month. Um, on April 5th in particular, there was footage that emerged from Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the third holiest site in Islam. And it is within occupied East Jerusalem. The compound is within that area. And the videos are showing Israeli security forces mercilessly beating Palestinian worshippers. And that violence left at least 12 Palestinians injured and obviously just fueled more public anger. And three of those Palestinians had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if people haven't seen the videos, like, you, you don't have to watch them, really. Um, but it's pretty horrific. Like, um, we were just talking before we started about how monstrous you have to be to, like, to stand there and whack someone with a stick again and again and mm-hmm. again. Especially yeah. when you know, they're not particularly any threat to you other than, you know, you perceive their existence as a threat to your state project. Um, yeah. And uh, they're just trying to go to the mosque. And yeah, they're it, literally just they're 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 there's no weapons. They're they're trying to pray. They're praying, and they're, yeah. I feel like prayer is a very vulnerable state to be in. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's kind of like I don't know. It's yeah, it, it, it was just really upsetting. And, and you're right about the dehumanization thing because we were because a gun would make it so much easier to kill someone, right? But to yeah, like purposely can, injure someone with your own hands, I think is. Monstrous for sure. I think maybe that's when a lot of people in America, at least, like it was very formative to me the first time I saw a cop fucking battering someone with a stick, you Mm know? Uh, And I think if if a lot of people in America maybe had that experience firsthand a couple of years ago and it maybe changed their perspective on things. But 
this is what colonialism does uh, everywhere, yeah. right? And it's that what's happening here. And in Ramadan as well, right? Like, yeah. And this old is kind of like a eaten. trend. Like, there's no excuse for what they're doing. And people always try to point fingers about, like, who's the bad guy here. But um, on the other side, rockets were fired from Gaza and Lebanon as a warning sign after this escalation happened. It was literally a warning. Like, please don't do this. This is wrong. Um, but Israel didn't listen. And the following day, Israel repeated the violent attack on Al-Haram al-Sharif, which is what Arabs call that compound. Um, it's also called Temple Mount uh, for yeah. the people of Jewish faith. And yeah, they, and then as that was happening the following day, Israel carried out air raids on Gaza and Lebanon. So not yeah. only did they not heed the warning, it was like a slap in the face. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the experience that some people had in Gaza from this. But that's a little bit later. But I just want to like put that out there that when people are like, oh, Hamas or whatever, they fired rockets. It's like, what do you what do you expect people pushing a corner to do? I just that's what I always think about. I don't know. Yeah. And if Hamas fires rockets, or, or, you know, does that mean everyone should be collectively punished? Like you shouldn't be able to mm -hmm. practice your faith now. Like that, that's that doesn't make any fucking sense. And like. Yeah, how how would you react if you'd seen your grandmother beaten with a fucking stick at, at church yeah. or synagogue or mosque, wherever you go? Um, yeah. Especially, yeah, like during Ramadan, a time when like this particular place on earth has got like the all the Abrahamic faiths are like mm -hmm. looking at this place and trying to do their religious stuff there. And like, I'm not a particularly religious guy, but uh, like surely there's no religion which where like the thing you should be doing at your holy days is beating people with a stick. Yeah. You know? Like even if you're not a Muslim, that that area is still really sacred to both mm -hmm. Christians and Jewish people. And you would think that Jews would want to be horrific on that area in general. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not, it's just it, like, even, even if that little area is not particularly sacred to you, like, it's still all sacred, in my opinion. Yeah. And I feel like people forget that. I don't know. Yeah, it takes a real, like, um... It's an interesting is the wrong word. It's the juxtaposition of these sacred spaces. And then it's incredible. Like it's somewhere I've been when I was younger and like uh, all, all around that part of Jerusalem or all around Jerusalem, I guess, is juxtaposition of like sacred spaces, which are supposed to be peaceful and calm and reflective. And then people doing the violence of colonialism, mm -hmm. uh, like right there. And it, it's just such a profound kind of whiplash every time yeah. you, you move from one to the other. And yeah, because they're the extremes of both. It's like one of the most sacred and one of the most violent. It's not, there's no like wishy-washiness about it. But yeah. let me continue. Okay, so after this happened, the Arab League held an emergency meeting to discuss these air raids. And just in case you don't know, the Arab League is a regional organization in the Arab world. It has 22 members, uh, but Syria hasn't been a member since 2011. That could be another episode another time, but that's what the Arab League is in case someone out there needed a refresher. Mm -hmm. But the League condemned the attack and it said in a statement that, quote, the extremist approaches that control the policy of the Israeli government will lead to widespread confrontations with the Palestinians if they are not put to an end. And at least 400 Palestinians were arrested on Wednesday of April 5th when this happened, and they remain in Israeli custody. They're being held at a police station in occupied East Jerusalem for no reason. It's never really for a reason. It's very rare that it's for a reason. But yeah, yeah. 
Palestinian witnesses said Israeli forces use excessive force, including stun grenades and tear gas, causing suffocation injuries to the worshippers and then beating them with batons and rifles. There was a 24-year-old student who was detained, Bakr Awais, and he said, We were conducting iktikaf, which is the religious Muslim worship that is reserved for Ramadan. It's very sacred. And he said, We were conducting iktikaf at the Al-Aqsa because it's Ramadan. The army broke the upper windows of the mosque and began throwing stun grenades at us. They made us lie down on the ground and they handcuffed us one by one and took us all out. They kept swearing at us during this time. It was very barbaric. And then an elderly woman said, according to this reporter, she was like catching her breath outside and in tears. And she said, I was sitting on a chair reciting the Quran. They hurled stun grenades and one of them hit my chest. And this is like... It's, there's there's no discrimination. You know what I mean? It's not, there's no discrimination to their hate. Everyone is under the same umbrella yeah. if they're Palestinians, if they're Muslims, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you you can't be like using tear gas selectively in a place of worship, but that's not how that works. Right? Yeah. If you're going to break windows and throw in tear gas, you, by definition, you're targeting every single person there for the crime of being there. Yeah. Uh, and there's no excuse of like, we were t- we were shooting back at shooters. You know what I mean? That's not an excuse anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. they could use. It's like, you're infiltrating a place where people are literally trying to pray. Like, there's no yeah. there's no excuse. Um, yeah. Like, old ladies who yeah. haven't eaten all day. Yeah. had a drink of water. Like, they're not, like, and you shouldn't be threatened by those people. Like, yeah. But if, if their existence as Muslims in a place that you don't think they should be allowed to exist is threatening to you, then... That that's yeah. because you're doing a colonialism. Yeah, and you're, I mean, you're the bad guy yeah. in the situation in this yeah. case. Um, and the Palestinian Red Cross said that Israeli forces prevented medics from reaching the mosque. And this has happened before, as James mentioned mm-hmm. to me before the podcast. It's like a very typical, characteristic thing of the IDF to block paramedics or aid to come help people. yeah. People want to look more at, um, like, our podcast alumni, uh, Tarek, has done a lot of first aid work in Gaza. Um, and he's written about it on his Medium page. I'll find a link and we'll put it in our sources. Yes, but, please, um, yeah. You can see some first-hand accounts of how difficult it is to, like, again, right, that I don't really see how you could find it objectionable to help someone who's been hurt. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it seems to be a recurrent thing. Yeah, it's it is. Um, and what I always find amusing is Israel's <laughs> statements after things like this happen. They're always yeah. so comical and so stupid. And this time they said when the police entered, stones were thrown at them and fireworks were fired from inside the mosque by a large group of agitators. It also said that a police officer was wounded in the leg. Like womp womp. Are you kidding me? Like. <laughs> I don't care about his fucking leg. I don't like they they always mention stones. I'm so tired of them mentioning yeah, stones yeah. and rocks. Like shut up. <sighs> the most it's powerful army it, in the Middle East and it's like they hurl stones at us. Like fuck off. Yeah, yeah, you have the fucking iron dome and a kid has thrown us a rock at you. Uh like and like the the stone thing in particular. I don't know what like, it's something the border patrol use a lot when they uh, kill people at the border, right? They, well, like, yeah, someone threw yeah. a stone. This was a thing. like it's this is a commonality of training between these two organizations, right? But mm-hmm. like, yeah, what who you also like when we entered the mosque, some people threw stones at us. Like, what were you fucking doing in the yeah, mosque? Like, exactly. why were you there? Like, 
and I'll get into the the rules later, but there are very specific times because this place is sacred to so many people. There are specific times for each faith to enter and use the compound. And so they weren't supposed to be there and they were beating people to make way for Jewish people to enter and and have their time. But that's not the way to do it. And I'm pretty sure they weren't supposed to be there at that time. But I mentioned this in a previous episode. The government is more far right than ever. And so the nationalists that are like encouraging violence are usually the ones that are succeeding. In response to this, Jordan and Jordan acts as a custodian of Jerusalem's Christian and Muslim holy sites. This is under a status quo agreement that has been in place since the 1967 war. They condemned the flagrant storming of the compound. And then Egypt, they called for an immediate halt to Israel's blatant assault on Al-Aqsa worshippers. But other than that, there hasn't been much. Like the U.S. said, like, I think, I don't know the exact quote that anyone in the U.S. said, but I'm sure they were like, oh, no, this shouldn't happen. And then they move on. Um, It's never really any kind of helpful action or reprimand or yeah. anything there's yeah one from Corinne jean-pierre which is we urge all sides to avoid further escalation which like why would you why do you even bother saying shit when you like, like don't yeah. escalate when uh, they come into your mosque and tear gas you and throw stun grenades at you like what are they supposed to do like sing kumbaya yeah also yeah. why it's like it's like the same situation we had a couple years ago where you have the police that are in SWAT gear and fully armed with people that yeah. aren't. And you're saying like this both sides thing, like both sides shouldn't do violence or escalate or whatever. And I think it's so stupid when that happens because there's a clear aggressor and a clear victim in that situation. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, Palestinians see Al-Aqsa Mosque as one of the few national symbols over which they retain some element of control. They are, however, fearful of a slow encroachment um, by Jewish groups. And this is what happened at the Ibrahimi Mosque, which is also called the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron. And in 1967, half of the mosque was turned into a synagogue. So Palestinians are worried about that happening again. And they're also worried about far-right Israeli movements that want to demolish the Islamic structures in Al-Aqsa Mosque and build a Jewish temple in their place. So it's not just like rumors of this happening. There are nationalists in the far-right government and the people that they follow that want that to happen. And by now, it is quite clear that American efforts to prevent another escalation in Palestine is failing. And it's not the Palestinian side that's responsible. Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, his desperate bid to cling to power is not conducive to any de-escalation that anyone can ever encourage. Like, all he's doing is accelerating the process of violence and triggering instability, not just in East Jerusalem, but like all over the state of Palestine. And okay, before we move on, let's take our first break before I forget. BRB. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We are back. I ended the last segment talking about how the U.S. diplomacy is failing, an understatement of the century. But for more than a year now, the tensions in occupied Palestine territories have been very high. The armed Palestinian resistance has been active, especially in Jenin and Nablus, and Israeli security forces have carried out incessant violent raids of Palestinian towns and villages. I said this in a previous episode, but the UN called 2022 the deadliest year for the occupied West Bank in the past 16 years, and the Israeli army killed at least 170 Palestinians, including 30 children, and injured at least 9,000 people. The first two months of this year have been the most violent since the year 2000, with 65 Palestinians killed, including 13 children. This year, the Muslim holy month of Ramadan coincides with the Jewish holiday of Passover. Al-Haram al-Sharif, aka Temple Mount, is significant, as I said, for both Muslims and Jews. Muslims believe it's the place where Muhammad ascended to heaven, and the Jewish people believe that it's the site of two biblical temples. Regardless, it contains the Al-Aqsa Mosque currently, and it's been there since 1035 AD. And it's, again, the third holiest site for Muslims. And an incredibly sacred place for prayer and worship. It's I'm sure there's like an energy there. Like I'm not religious, but I kind of feel that energy sometimes where like everyone thinks or believes in a place and it be- it becomes important just as a, as a place. It doesn't even need to be explained, I think, right. in general. And maybe I'm biased because I was raised Muslim, but still there I think it's silly to pretend that this is at, at this current point in time, like there's a reason for them not to be there or there's a reason for, there's a reason for like a synagogue to be built instead. Like, I think it's just so stupid. My vocabulary isn't expansive enough to actually describe how I feel, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, it and it's such a barbarous thing to do to take this thing and like to destroy it. That's so special to literally more than a billion people. Yeah. And be like, nah, fuck you. Like we have more guns. So we're doing our thing now. Yeah. And it was correctly speculated because of this coincision of Ramadan and Passover that it would be a potential flashpoint for violence. 
And two regional meetings were held under United States supervision to hope to preclude any major escalations from this time. And uh, it didn't work, obviously. On February 26th, Palestinian, Israeli, Jordanian, Egyptian, and American officials met in the Jordanian city of Aqaba. They emphasized a commitment to a, quote, de-escalation on the ground to prevent further violence. And Israel pledged to stop authorizing new illegal settlements in Palestinian territories for six months. On March 19th, the second regional meeting happened, and it was held in Sharm el-Sheikh, where the Palestinian and Israeli officials committed to uphold the status quo of the holy sites in Jerusalem, quote, both in words and in practice. And they emphasized the, quote, necessity of both Israelis and Palestinians to actively prevent any actions that would disrupt the sanctity of these sites in general, but especially during the upcoming holy month of Ramadan. I feel like every time Israel says anything, you can't actually believe anything they say. There's pledges don't matter. The UN's labeling them as an apartheid state doesn't matter. Um, Nothing really matters because it's all empty words. And Netanyahu's government hasn't been upholding the status quo in words or in practice. He is allied with far-right and ultra-religious forces that have openly stated that the Israeli recognition of the Zardinian guardianship of the holy sites was a historic mistake that they are bound on rectifying. So not only are they meeting just like to save face, I think. They've openly said that we don't respect this, this, this group that is being held together. We want, we, want to, we want to change it. We don't, like, I don't understand how anyone can believe anything this country says. Even within Israel, right, like people who can recognize that this, this current like Netanyahu coalition is, is opposed to the basics of their constitution and their democracy. Uh, and like when when you have people within the IDF being like, "Now, nah, dog, you've gone too far," uh, like th- I think that that says a lot. Um, but like, they're not saying you've gone too far in, in yeah throwing stun grenades into a mosque, right? Like, yeah, he, he exactly. Get away with pushing that shit further and further. Um, and he has gotten away with it. It's it's atrocious. Yeah. Um, and will continue to when he gets domestic pushback, right? Like it, mm-hmm. because like. Aggressive Zionism is the kind of unifying, like the grand unifying policy yeah. that, that brings people together for him totally. and for his coalition. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna, he'll keep doing this, and like, it would be irrational to expect people in Palestine not to respond. Like, there are, I know there are lots of new groups that are like popping up to to fight back, which you know, you'd have to be incredibly naive to expect that not to happen. Yeah, it's just uh, what happens when you push people in a corner. And then I think what they actually like is an excuse to fight back, too. So like when these when these groups do attack, that's always their excuse as to why they're attacking. So it's almost like they're provoking an attack on purpose to give them a reason to attack, which is stupid. Again, that word is the only word in my head right now. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about this thing that they do again, which just seems to be like sticking a middle finger up. It's like that they like to withhold the bodies of people they've killed. Uh huh. Yes. Quite often, uh, and like I, I just don't like. What do you expect to gain by mm-hmm. doing that other than just being unfathomably cruel? And the burial process for Muslims is yeah. very sacred. It's a very sacred ritual, and so they're purposely mm. denying them of that. It's like, I mean, the Geneva Convention is, is like a, a pretend thing. 
um, that, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't matter. But uh, yeah. it's still inhumane, right? It doesn't matter if some some people, so some old white dudes a long time ago decided it was inhumane or not, because I think anyone with yes. head screwed on can be like, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. And speaking of the Zionist movement and the far right movement, 2023 started with the far right minister of national security, Itamar Ben-Gavir. He entered Al-Haram al-Sharif and this provoked public anger across Palestine. Under his watch, the raids by Israeli settlers on the Muslim holy site of Al-Aqsa Mosque, they were under the protection of the Israeli security forces and they've only intensified. Ben-Gavir and other extremists in the government are Netanyahu's only chance to stay in power and to avoid going to jail for corruption. And they know that, and they're taking advantage of the situation to support, by all means possible, the violence that the Jewish settlers have unleashed onto the Palestinian people in the occupied West Bank and continue to erode the status quo at the holy sites. All of this is an aim to establish new facts on the ground, aka full Israeli control. All of this is with the aim of establishing full Israeli control. And Netanyahu does not mind this violence. He encourages and likes it for his own means. For him, violence is a useful distraction from the anti-government protests which have plagued his sixth term in office. Because I, I did an election episode about Israel that you can always listen to, but Netanyahu being in power wasn't supposed to happen again is the main thing. And him being in power and bringing in this terrible government, there's a reason why it's all happening so intensely. Yeah, it's just years of Zionist encouragement finally coming to a head, especially now that a lot of Zionists are in power. And war is not really in Israel's interest. It's currently preoccupied with the Palestinian resistance in the West Bank. It's worried about Iran's military presence and diplomatic successes in the region. It's been striking Syria regularly, even just days after the devastating earthquakes that happened this year. They bombed Syria. And they want to curb Iranian influence. And they're also concerned about Hezbollah's role in a recent roadside bomb explosion near the border with Lebanon. So... Starting a religious war, quote unquote, does not suit their like, I, I don't understand the motivation there other than to further assert dominance and to scare the Palestinians. On the other side, Hamas in Gaza has tried to take a measured response. Again, it warned Israel against further raids on Al-Aqsa. And it is reluctant to escalate this because it would take attention from the Palestinian resistance in the West Bank because Hamas sees the main area of conflict with Israel as the conflict in the West Bank. Armed attacks in the occupied territories cause much more anxiety to the Israeli authorities than a confrontation with Gaza. Hamas's strategy now is to encourage a popular Palestinian mobilization in the West Bank, Jerusalem, and Israel in order to serve as a barrier to further encroachment on the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And that said, Hamas may find itself under pressure to act decisively, especially if Israel's brutal violence against worshippers continues. The Palestinian people, I mentioned this in previous episode, but they have reacted angrily at the weak response from the the PA, the Palestinian Authority, and its inaction. They're frustrated that the supposed protectors or liaisons that that they have to negotiate or protect them, they're not doing anything. So... That anger becomes this pressure on someone to act, and it's usually Hamas because they're the the longest standing and most powerful group in that area. 
The Hamas leadership would not want to be perceived as passive, and they may feel compelled to abide by popular demand to take a tougher stance and intensify rocket fire towards Israel. And this would repeat, as I mentioned earlier, the 2021 war on Gaza, which was also triggered by Israel's raids on Al-Aqsa Mosque. And this would only further escalate the violence well after Ramadan. It's not going to just be contained in this month. And let's take our last break. We'll be right back. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play and we're back talking about the escalation of violence and there have been repeated warnings that israel's actions in the holy sites could trigger a quote-unquote religious war in january jordanian ambassador mahmoud daifala hamoud told the u.n security council that israeli attacks on al-haram al-sharif are provoking quote the feelings of nearly two billion muslims and this could spark a religious conflict so the people that are saying it's religious may actually have a point if this actually comes to a head um (laughs) because it's actually not the whole the whole israel-palestine quote-unquote conflict is not about religion it's about occupation and colonialism but in this particular instance, when it comes to the mosque, the anger is very rooted in faith and a direct like slap in the face of that faith. Yeah, so. it takes a yeah, you can make it a religious conflict. I think as like other colonial powers have been very good at doing by like desecrating holy sites of a religion. Yeah. Right. Like um, like it's kind of yeah, you you risk alienating like i said a billion people or you know uniting a billion people uh yeah. in opposition when you just flagrantly do this shit 
like mm-hmm. this. Like, I don't think anyone who, like, I'm not a religious person either. And like, I watch that video of the, and the cops or soldiers, I guess, kind of the same thing. And uh, like beating people with chairs and shit. And mm-hmm. like, it, that made me furious. That made me want to hurt someone. Like, yeah. and that's not something that's especially special to me. And if mm-hmm. it was, I can imagine I'd be even more furious. It should make anyone mad to see someone treated like that. You know what I mean? It should make anyone furious to see that kind of terror taking place. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people have trouble putting themselves in someone else's shoes maybe or like they have trouble caring about something that that doesn't affect them and i think that is a very dangerous path to go on um it's just very mm-hmm. self-centered and main charactery and heartless in my opinion it's very odd that as humans like we've normalized the existence and uh, to an extent people will like simp for the existence of like this state right which is like an abstraction of capital and like, and the state exists as an abstraction of capital, and it has boundaries and rules. And if if you transgress those, even if you don't, if you're just like, uh, like antithetical to its vision for a piece of land, mm-hmm. then then people can come and beat the shit into you while you're praying. Now, like that's just a thing that's going to happen. And like, I don't know if I feel like sometimes if we if we sort of re round the past two or three hundred years, and we're like, hey, peasant in the 1700s, like, do you want to be in a place where like? Some, someone could walk into this mosque at any time, throw these stun grenades, beat the shit out of old ladies. And like, no one would go from like A to B, right? But we're at B now and, and, and people don't seem to want to like investigate how we got here and what we can do to change it. Yeah. they Yeah. They regard it as like just a thing that happens in order for hum- like humanity or like civilization to progress. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and so backwards. It's, it, should, it doesn't have to be like that. No. People can read uh, The Dawn of Everything. They want to. Yes. They want to know about that. Um, but yeah, or you can just, you know, not simp for cops. If you don't, if you don't <laughs> that want to can read help. A book. That, that's a yeah. good first yeah. step yeah. is to fuck cops. Um, yeah. But there is a growing concern that with its aggressive actions in Al-Aqsa, Netanyahu's government is seeking to impose restrictions on the access the Palestinians have to the holy site, the way that it was done with the Ibrahimi Mosque in Hebron that I mentioned earlier. This mosque was divided by the Israeli authorities into sections that Muslims and Jews can visit to supposedly prevent further violence because a massacre happened there in 1994 when a Jewish settler opened fire on Muslim worshippers and killed 29 people who were there to pray. So it's we've talked about how history repeats itself a lot and being afraid of that happening is, is not illogical. It's not irrational because it's happened before it could happen again. Yeah, the IDF always backs up these settlers, right? Like, uh, they did it um, yesterday, I think. Like, a kid was killed in a refugee camp uh, mm-hmm. in an incident, I think, which started when, uh, if I'm not wrong, there was a, a march, like a bunch of settlers were marching into into an area and claiming that, you know, Israel yeah. should legalize it and normalize it. And, uh, yeah, do another colonial conquest. And yeah, it, it, they're willing to shoot a kid, like, it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. They, seem to be willing to back these people especially when they form if i understand correctly like an important part of the coalition that netanyahu is relying on right now oh it's a huge part and also those marches by settlers are usually protected by cops they're like they're shielded by the idf it's not like they're there to stop any kind of conflict they're there to protect the settlers it's it's just backwards history repeating itself and if these measures are imposed on al-aqsa it would be a clear violation of the status quo 
under which non-Muslims are allowed to visit only at certain hours of the day and they're not allowed to pray inside. But this is obviously not what's happening. And so far, there have only been condemnations issued by Arab states and the EU and the US. What Arab and Western capitals do not understand is that unless there is a harsh response to Israeli actions now, Netanyahu's far-right allies will only be emboldened to go even further in their efforts to take over Muslim and Christian holy sites and settle there. Israeli aggression in El Haram al-Sharif is turning Israel into a detonator that will sooner or later blow up the whole region. It's really felt like that for me for a long time and for a lot of people. It's like this metaphorical ticking time bomb and Israel themselves is provoking it to detonate. And I think this pressure cooker of a situation is bound to have an apex. It's not going to be boiling forever. And the violence isn't just contained at Al-Aqsa. Israel didn't take a break from all their other terrorist activities to focus on just one because their other terrorist activities are still happening. As you mentioned, on April 10th, a Palestinian child was killed by Israeli forces in the Aqabat Jaber refugee camp in Jericho. Mohammed Fayez Balhan was 15 years old and he was shot in the head chest, and stomach. Make it make sense. On April 8th, the Gaza Strip endured a night of bombardment as Israeli fighter jets conducted air raids on several sites in the territory. The first Israeli airstrike that hit was near Eldora Children's Hospital in the besieged Gaza Strip. Some reporters talked to people that experienced this event, this act of terror, and so I'm going to read some of their uh, quotes. Samar Elwan talked to Al Jazeera about her terrifying experience. When she rushed to her two-year-old daughter's bed to pick her up, moments later, the glass from the window next to her on the bed shattered and crashed onto the cot. She said, My daughter miraculously survived. Last night, we were sleeping in the ward. Suddenly, we woke up to the sound of terrifying airstrikes. There were moments of massive fear. The glass was falling. I immediately rushed to take my child out of her bed. Moments later, the window fell on her bed. I was so close to losing her. Jesus Christ. She continues to say, All the sick children were frightened and screaming. A state of tension prevailed among all the mothers and the medical staff because of the intensity of the bombing. Glass from the windows was falling and shattering. There were some windows that fell onto the beds of sick children just moments after they had been picked up. And this could have caused a catastrophe and a large number of injuries. The Gaza's Ministry of Health said, This is not the first time that health facilities have been targeted, and it is unacceptable. These attacks not only put patients' lives at risk, but they also create a sense of fear among healthcare workers, patients, and their families. The same mother from earlier went on to say, Several children have spent the night trembling in fear. Our children are poor in Gaza. They do not enjoy Ramadan or Eid or any other occasion. They are always threatened with fear and destruction that may come their way at any moment. Yeah, that's. Um, we did an interview a f- few months ago with some some young men from Gaza that we haven't put out yet, but we will. Um, but I've spoken to them quite a few times, and I remember one of the mm-hmm. things that they would say to me that really sort of like was very affecting for me was that like they they got they had very young boys who would come and stay and they would do parkour together mm-hmm. and that these eight-year-old boys would routinely wake up in the middle of the night screaming yeah. and like like with horrible ptsd and they yeah the fuck they're children like they sh- they shouldn't be anywhere near that stuff um yeah and 
like people will talk about precision airstrikes in Gaza and like it's not a, like even even if you manage to somehow not kill any people um then you're still going to fundamentally alter the course of someone's life in, in a terrible yeah. way there was there was a study done I'm, I'm paraphrasing it but it basically showed that the children in Gaza are in a perpetual state of trauma like they had they never they never get over the phase where they're out of that fight or flight mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. there's they're stunted in this the fear part of PTSD and it's so sad because that's their that's their reality they've never known anything different other than mm-hmm. fear and violence and the loss of life at any moment yeah and they can't leave right like it's extremely mm-hmm. difficult like our friends have tried to leave that it's taken them years of trying to leave yeah. like they, they can't go anywhere else they're trapped in the most bomb place on earth and that's yeah. the whole reality gaza has been referred to an open air concentration camp like it's mm-hmm. not just a place where people live it's it's been just the main target of israel for a really long time and I've I always recommend this movie, but Gaza Fights for Freedom is a great movie by Abby Martin. It's free on YouTube. I would watch it if you want some more examples of what's happening in Gaza because it's it's horrific. It's a hard watch, but it's important if you want more information. Yeah. In the Altafa district of Gaza City, raids were also taking place. Majdi Abu Nima and his family woke up at 3 a.m. for Shur, which is the pre-sunrise meal right before you fast the whole day. So they woke up at 3 a.m. and then suddenly Israeli warplanes were attacking the empty land next to their house, and this caused severe destruction to their home. Abu Nima is the father of seven children, and he told Al Jazeera, It was like an earthquake. We were terrified. Immediately, I rushed to my three daughters' bedroom to find my two-year-old daughter covered in shattered window glass. I can't forget her shock, fear, and her heartbeat. Everyone in the house was screaming. Until now, I don't understand why they bombed our area. How could an empty land be bombed without any justification? There are no resistance fighters or any military sites here. It is just an empty land between residential buildings. And there was a lot of destruction that happened, as I said. Um, There's no excuse for it. Uh, The oldest son in this family, his car was obliterated, and it was his only source of income. And he told Al Jazeera, Conditions in the Gaza Strip are unbearably difficult. The bombing came and destroyed whatever we have left. Life here has truly become hell. Jesus Christ. Like, do you want it spelled out any differently, people? But I don't want to end this episode completely on a terrible note. I was really happy today when I woke up and my mom sent me this video of Bernie Sanders calling Israel a racist government. Like, in those words, on television, which is very, very important, especially as a Jewish ally. Because I've said, I've said this before, but Jewish people that defend Palestine are some of the most important allies we can have. Because there's no excuse for anyone to be like, you're anti-Semitic. Because it's not about that. It's not about religion or anything. If you're anti-Zionist, you're not anti-Semitic. It's very different. And so having Bernie Sanders be the one to call out Israel is very important. So I want to play that clip because he'll say it better than I can. And uh, yeah, that's the episode. Do you um, think that democracy is imperiled in Israel right now? I do. I am very worried about what Netanyahu is doing and some of his allies in government and what may happen to the Palestinian people. 
And let me tell you something. I mean, I haven't said this publicly, but I think the United States gives billions of dollars in aid to Israel. And I think we've got to put some strings attached to that and say you cannot run a racist government. You cannot turn your back on the two-state solution. You cannot demean the Palestinian people there. You just can't do it and then come to America and ask for money. Has the administration, have you talked to the administration no. about it? They've been very careful Are, in criticism of the Netanyahu government. Well, I, I, I am not careful about it. Uh, I'm embarrassed that, that in Israel you have a government of that nature right now. And are you going to introduce something? We may well, yes. To try to attach strings, strings to USA. You cannot give, if you have a, you know, whether it's Saudi Arabia or other authoritarian societies, if a government is acting in a racist way and they want billions of dollars from the taxpayers of the United States, I think you say, sorry, that's not acceptable. You want our money? Fine. This is what you got to do to get it. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.